This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Which, Court, there's a lot of new stuff going on. You know, Zupan's always rotates new products from around the world in the store, and it's always fun to keep up with it. Right now, there's truff, mayo, and pasta sauce, which looks delicious. I've got to try this. They have uh, black truffle arrabbiata, black truffle pomodoro sauce, pasta sauce, and they also have spicy mayonnaise with truffles and just plain. So I I probably would like to try both of those. How about you? Yeah, I would say if you're a fan of truffles, I mean, uh, stop at your local Zupans is the thing to do this week to check out all, all that great stuff. It sounds delicious. Uh, make that uh, sandwich you're eating this weekend even sexier. Or tastier, actually. That's okay. However you want to perceive it. Sure. Uh, Something you might not know about me, uh, Chris, is that I'm a huge fan of kombucha, and I'm excited about this. Something new at your local Zupans is Shrub Bucha. It was created out of Venice, California. If you don't know anything about uh, kombucha, it's probiotics, and uh, Shrub Bucha are probiotic mocktails, zero net sugar, Filled with uh, the good bacteria, yeast, enzymes, vitamins, and uh, they're they're really refreshing. I love kombucha, so stop by your local Zupans and check out this shrubbucha. I'm glad you like that, and I'll see your kombucha and and raise you with joy root. Uh, different flavored teas. We have strawberry, lime, lemon, ginger, um, and orange. Um, so they are founded by tea maven Stephen Howard in Seattle who recognized a little gap in the market for healthy plant-based drinks. So Joy Root's line of hibiscus and Tulsi teas are specially blended with no caffeine and are low in sugar. Very nice. And Chris, right now will be a perfect time for me to point out that this weekend, a great floral design and wine taking place. We've, we've talked about these events for some time now. It's Fairy Tale Flowers happening this Sunday from 2 to 4, this Sunday being June 6th, by the way, at the Burnside location of your local Zupans. Uh, you can join them for hands-on classes to see what amazing things you can do with paint, dye, and imagination. Uh, create a beautiful arrangement, and while you're doing all of this, you'll enjoy an afternoon of wine and hors d'oeuvres. doesn't get much better than that. So sign up at Zupans.com for in-person class information. Three locations to stop by. You got McAdam, West Burnside, Lake Oswego. And where do they sign up for the newsfeed, Chris? Zupans.com. Here it is, time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. Hello, Court Johnson, and how are you this fine June morning? Well, you know, uh, I think all of us have been experiencing this warmer than usual uh, weather. Uh, it's been nice, but uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little hot, I'm a little humid today. Well... You know what? Not all of us have been experiencing that. Out on the coast, it's been really nice and not hot. You know, it's it's incredible the difference in the climates that we have in Oregon from the coast to the valley. So, yeah, I haven't felt a bit of heat here. Sounds like sounds like I should have been spending more time with you, Chris. Yeah, well, you know, I've encouraged you to come out. No, so, I know. Uh, it's not through lack of trying. Yeah, I know. It's 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 on my end, not on yours. I've got probably for the, I have a standing invite from you, and I just haven't taken you up on it yet. Standing, sitting, lying, whatever you want, it's all it's all here. So anyway, it's been it's been kind of nice out here, um, but uh, you know, I understand it's been a little warm there, but it's going to cool off. I'm coming in. This week, uh, later on this week, actually Friday, to meet with the folks at Andina uh, to discuss some fun stuff. If anybody's familiar with Portland Food Adventures, they can maybe get a clue on the few things that we do, which are, you know, local events. We haven't had them since February of 2020, prior to the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we do trips. So, um would love to would love to be announcing something soon. I can't. But at any rate, what I can announce is there. I it's not my announcement. It's been out there that uh, Andina has undergone some changes. Uh, the sons are now running the business. 
And also they've hired a new executive chef, Alexander Diestra, um, formerly of places like Clark Lewis and Saucebox. And I think he was most recently at a McMenamin's across the street, not far from Andina. And we had an opportunity uh, yesterday, which would have been Wednesday, to catch up with uh, Alex and talk about not only his new job at Andina, he's a new father, but also they birthed a new business out of Andina called Chicha. And uh, that's, of course, taking advantage of some outdoor space and shoring up their takeout business, which they didn't really have before. So we had an opportunity to talk about that. It's, uh, I'm excited about Andina becoming more of a chef-driven restaurant than it has been for the last many years, and um, that they hired someone who's got Peruvian roots. It turns out Alex moved here when he was 19 from Peru. So uh, he's excited to start cooking some Peruvian food over there. What, uh, what I like about this, Chris, is it sounds like, uh, you know, and we've had some great episodes over the, the past year, but this, the feel of this uh, uh, episode of your conversation with uh, Alexander is it feels kind of normal to some degree where you've got a guy kind of, he's made his way around Portland, he's at an established restaurant, and we get to talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, it's no secret that it's been, a, I've, I've mentioned it a few times, it's been a little challenging to find the positive, happy stories in the Portland food world over the past year. And but yeah, this is this feels like the clouds are moving out and the sunshine is going to shine on us. And uh, um, it, it's not as though we haven't had some nice stories in the past couple of months. Of course, everybody's welcome to go listen to look into our archives and see if they'd like to listen to some of those. But this is uh, this is a real, I think, a big story because Andina has been a real, uh, you know, it's it's been a classic restaurant in Portland for a long time, and now they're undergoing some changes, uh, as many restaurants uh, have and will be going through as we come out of the pandemic, and uh, it's it's exciting, and um, so I'm excited to for everybody to hear this, and I'm. Excited to meet with these folks uh, as well, Victor and Peter, who are now um, running running the show. So um, that'll be great. And also, to that note, Court, next week we'll be featuring uh, Brooke Jackson Glidden of Eater to talk about some of the new things, new exciting things that are going on in the Portland food world that people want to pay attention to. Very nice. Yeah, can't wait. So this week, this week is this. Next week is that. Enjoy the podcast, and what should everybody do, Court? Like and subscribe right at the Four Podcasts wherever you're listening. Whatever, whatever platform you, you're currently listening to us on, make sure you have uh, subscribed, and also you know leave a rating, like us, do all those things. Yeah, and share the podcast, too, if you like it. Other people may want to hear it, and, and also find us on Instagram and uh, uh, Twitter, too, but as Food Podcast PDX. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022 to Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at portlandfoodadventures.com. And by... Finex Cast Iron Cookware Company. Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference. Whether crafting cookware or cooking a meal, attention to detail can elevate the everyday into something extraordinary. Finex pays attention to detail to bring you inspiration and tools for a lifetime of meals and memories. Make the everyday extraordinary. Find out more at finexusa.com. 
Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. First things first, do you prefer Alex or Alexander? Alex is fine. Okay, that's what I thought. But yeah. you, you know, it's, it's confusing because sometimes that's what people indicate in their email addresses and other places. So then you start to wonder, what is this? What do they prefer? So I know I've called you Alex before, but I didn't know whether that was insulting yeah, no, you. What's that? Yeah, no, Alex is fine. Alex is cool. Well, good. Uh, and you are cool. And I'm really excited about what you're doing now. It's, it's very interesting to take an old time Portland, you know, I guess old time back to the 2000s dining institution and change it up a little bit and yeah. uh, actually changing up more than a little bit. So that's what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. So can you tell me how your connection to Peter and Victor and, and Dina happened and how, how this all came about? Uh, you're yeah. their new executive chef? Yeah, of course. So um, Peter contacted me, uh, I would say about two and a month, two months ago. And then uh, they were recruiting, I guess, for a new chef. And um, one of our closest friends uh, kind of just reached out to the owner, Doris, uh, which I probably believe you've seen around because she's the one who kind of just touches every table every time. Um, but um, yeah, just like, you know, hey, we're looking for a chef. Are you interested? I was like, uh, you know, sure. Let's talk about it. And Peter and I met and then we started talking about Andina and what their vision is for it. And, and then another concept came in on top of that, which is Chicha, which is now running. Um, and, and yeah, we started talking, you know, I met with the, with the parents as well too. And then we talked a little bit about the culture of Andina and what has been and what they want to do with it, you know, and, and I guess, you know, it's been a little bit of a hassle for them to find a, a chef that it stays in the place for a long time and then kind of just it's in love with the culture and the food, I guess. So, but yeah, so everything came out in place. I think we uh, launched each other about a week, about two weeks ago. And uh, it's been great. You know, I think we do have the same goals, the same visions as a Peruvian. You know, it, it's a pleasure for me to be here uh, because I kind of want to show what, people don't know about Peruvian food, you know, it doesn't have to be the same thing over and over again. There's, I mean, Peru is huge. So there's so many cuisines, there's so many cities that we haven't even explored yet. So I think that's what gets us going. And that's the more exciting part about the whole thing. I would imagine it was, it was important for them, as you said, to have someone who has a Peruvian heart, mm. not easy to find in Portland. I would think, you know, we all know, Jose Luis Dicasio has had a relationship with Andina in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, th those of us who weren't familiar with Peruvian food, only I, I personally only got to know it through Andina and then mm -hmm. Jose's restaurant mm -hmm. uh, and got to know that. So, but I would imagine there, there aren't a lot of Peruvian brethren that you know in Portland right now, right? So, no, not at all. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, my whole career started with, Italian, you know, French, uh, Mediterranean, Asian. Um, and I never thought, I never knew that I was going to, who knows that I was going to come back and end up at this place. You know, back then, I remember when they opened and I used to know the founder chef back then, he was Peruvian. And, um, and I almost work here, but they were paying me a little more at that time at the at corporation hotel, of course. Uh, but you know, it's just funny how things end, you know, but yeah, no, I'm, it's, it's really rare to find a Peruvian chef around, uh, Peruvian chef around. Um, but hey, you know, things work for a reason, I guess. Oh, and, yeah. And, you yeah, know, I, and. I think they do. Is this something that you had in your mind for a long time? Because, you know, you'd been around, you'd been to, um, you know, uh, you've been at Saucebox, Clark Lewis and some other spots which obviously weren't doing that type of food. Is it something right. that you wanted to do for a long time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it reminds me, our little time back in the Battle of the Chefs, you know, when you, you, you told me, like, oh, you're thinking about opening, doing pop-ups or something like that. But I had this in mind for a long time, and it's kind of uh, interesting how everything turned out because all the visions that I had, 
as for me to open a place and expand, this is what's pretty much happening at Andina right now. You know, and then I, I like that they are willing to kind of just go with my ideas and my vision as well, too, in terms of uh, exploring, expanding Peruvian cuisine around. But yeah, I had a, had a vision a long time ago at opening a place. Um, well, you know, circumstances well, happen here or there, but. Talk about cutting out a lot of the, uh, the work. So this, this is an established restaurant. It's been there for a long time. Yeah. You don't have to go search for your, you know, finances to open your own brick and mortar restaurant. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest part, you know, um, you know, getting settled with your family, having a baby and all this stuff. It's just kind of like, it's a big step. I feel, you know, it's a big thing. And, 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 and then you never know how it's going to turn out. Right. In terms of opening yourself a your restaurant from, the ground so but yeah so this came perfect perfect timing you know um we are about to you know launch andina soon in about a month or two and uh, i mean we cannot wait to show people what we're doing already so it's it's definitely exciting so um how much of the of what's going to transpire I'm, I'm sure the physical space itself is not really under your um, you know, is, is that something they, they all have that handled, but how much of the menu and of the other things we're going to feel about Andina and Chicha? Cause they already had that, as you indicated, that was already in the plans before they started talking mm -hmm. with you, but how much of it is, is how much influence are you going to have, or have you had so far on the menu and those sorts of things? Yeah, so Chicha started, uh, the conversations with Chicha, it was about, I mean, there was not an idea about a menu, actually. It was just kind of like, you know, Andina menus out there. What can we do with that, right? Um, and this is when my memories came back and it started like doing some more street food there, which some of the things, some of the dishes that people haven't seen yet. Um, so we have a little bit of Andina, like we have a few classics, and then we have a bunch of other things that came from memories that I had, experiences that I had in, back in Peru. Um, Andina, we don't really want to cross those uh, boundaries in terms of like, you know, I mean, like you said, Andina has been an established place for 17 years. You know, there's people who have dined with us probably since then, you know, so I, there's going to be clientele, they're going to come in, they're going to be like, oh, but you know, what happened to that dish? Oh, well, you know, so... I think we're trying to plan on training our servers and our managers to kind of guide them towards a different experience. You know, we will have something that is um, a dish that it makes you a little comfortable and there will be some dishes that you probably haven't seen before, you know? So we're going to do a, like a little bit of mix of everything. So that way people don't feel left out, you know, but our main goal is to bring some new things to the table uh, and I have full control of the menu as, as we speak right now. And, and uh, matter of fact, I met with one of the owners yesterday and, and they are down for, you know, for the new Andina. I think they're, they want to take the place to the next level. You know, I, I, I feel like being stuck in the same thing over and over again, it can, it gets tiring. You know, I think it's, I think it's time for Andina to shine one more time. And I think with the menu that I'm putting together, I think will bring us up there actually. Well, I also think you have an advantage in, in so far as when you're talking about change, um, you know, coming out of this pandemic, I don't think yeah. anybody's going to be really surprised if any restaurant changes uh, in terms of how they format things and mm -hmm. how the service looks. I personally am really, I can't wait until service gets back to what it was. Right. You yeah. sit down at a table and you order and people know what they're doing and it's not, you know, we're not eating out of boxes and we're not handed plastic utensils. I can't wait for that. So, <laughs> but yeah. I think you've got an advantage in so far as I don't think a lot of explanation is going to be necessary because a few reasons. One is the Portland food community, people who eat out a lot are going to be aware that there have been some changes, but even yeah, if yeah. they're not, it's post pandemic. So, uh, you know, it's, no one's going to be really surprised um, by all of that. So 
Um, I think you've got those advantages, but I think also it's an exciting time for Andina because um, from my perspective, I don't speak for everyone. Yeah. When I moved to Portland in 2005, Andina was a regular stop for me and it was exciting and new and it represented, you know, what was fun about Portland, new food that I hadn't tried. Yeah. Uh, and it was a cool space. It was in a cool spot. Over the years, you know, let's face it, all the shiny objects kept popping up all over Portland. And Andina for me was not top of mind anymore yeah. when I read about it. And there was no real... It wasn't a chef-driven restaurant. So yeah. for me and for a lot of people in Portland, they're following that sort of thing. Mm. Now we've got, now that's changed. So um, it's an exciting time. Do you feel pressure? Do you feel like, I'll, you know, right now we're coming out of this pandemic with a change yeah. landscape. And yeah. for me, the news that Andina was changing and bringing you in, I think there's a little bit of pressure on you because yeah, uh, not a little bit. There's a lot. I would have. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I I tend to take pressure very calmly, which is a good thing, I guess, that I develop over the years. How? I'm not sure. Experience, I guess. But uh, but yeah, it was a little bit of pressure at the beginning because, you know, I was trying to get their vision, and in my vision, and when I've been trying, like you know, what I had in my head for years, you know, and. I think, you know, I had a baby recently. He's two months old. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah. So that, 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 By the way, that must have coincided with when you took the job, right? Or when they contacted Yeah, I mean, you. there was a whole conversation with the wife. You're like, hey, you know, this came up. I feel very comfortable at this place. What should we do? You know, and, you know, to be honest, I've been out of the radar for about, you know, three years or so. Just to stepping back and kind of getting some, getting the life you know, and normal and check. Um, but I, you know, the opportunity, I just couldn't, I couldn't decline the opportunity. You know, it was such a great opportunity when, you know, sometimes you just got to take, take risks, you know, and, and organize yourself better and make it happen. But yes, it is pressure, you know, because I do want to be able to satisfy every type of clientele and making sure that we keep up with the trends that are out there. And keep up with everybody, you know, because I feel like everybody's going to come back and everybody's going to come back strong. They're going to come back with their A game. So we better be able to be on the same level or more, you know. So and it, it is exciting for me at the same time because it keeps me on my toes. And I liked I like that. I like the rush for some reason. Um, but yeah, pressure. Yes. But nothing that can handle. So I don't think you could be a chef in the restaurants you've been in or any, you know, decent sized restaurant yeah, without yeah. being able to handle the pressure. So that's always been right. one of the things that impressed me about all the people in most all the people in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't handle that kind of pressure. You put me in yeah. a kitchen and if I'm cooking for two, I, I just, I just, that, that's tough for me. So, <laughs> so that, but, but that's why I've always been enamored and um, why I have so much respect for everything that you do. So when was it that you uh, moved from Peru Let's talk a little bit about your journey from there to where you are now um, and how much of your, how much of your, uh, you know, you, you moved at a young age, I believe. Yeah. How much can you possibly remember other than, you know, my memories of when I was six years old were, hey, that cheeseburger was really good and I love the way they yeah. melted the cheese on it. So, yeah. Now, when I moved, I moved to the U.S. Uh, when I was 19. So all those memories are still very uh, stuck in my head. Um, and my dad moved here when I was seven years old. So when I turned 18, he was just already kind of just doing all the paperwork for me to come to the, to the U S Did I want to stay. No, I did not want to stay. You know, I was kind of, I got used to that Peruvian life. Um, but, uh, you know, I was still not getting used to the cold mostly, uh, and, and the new routines in here, but, you know, when I turned 24, I think it was time for me to like kind of just get settled. And I think that's when I signed up to uh, Le Cordon Bleu to kind of just get my career going. Um, but yeah, no, I do remember I still have aunts, family there, quite a bit of family. Uh, I still talk to them, and, you know, frequently. Um, and, you know, I do my little research as well, too, through, through friends, you know, ask them, like, what's going on? What, 
what is the new trend in Peru now, you know, because, um, you know, they're doing all these tiraditos or, you know, raw fish uh, with the tiger's milk, you know, they, they're doing a bunch of things now. And, and it's interesting to me. So, but yeah, no, I think uh, moving here, it was a, a great thing for me. You know, I was not the kid. I was pretty much just kind of a young kid, chilling pretty much all the time. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, it was good. It put me, it put me in my place. And yeah, I think put me in the right path as well. So are your friends, uh, back in Peru, are they in the industry or are you going, uh, are you able to draw a little bit from their Instagram when they're going out to eat? Yeah, I know some, uh, I have a few friends that, uh, uh, there are in the industry. Uh, they're working at very different restaurants. Um, um, but Mostly from uh, following a bunch of the Peruvian chefs, um, you know, I think that kind of just what brings me a lot of more of uh, creativity and more ideas to bring to uh, to Andina. Um, but, you know, seeing what people are doing on the street is also a, a cool thing. Yeah, there, and there's a lot of that there. Is that so did you um, whereabouts did you grow up? Were you in the city? Were you outside the city? Yeah, no, I grew, I grew up in the city, uh, uh, Lima. So uh, the port of Callao, which is pretty much 20 minutes from Lima. Um, yeah, I was born there. And I grew up in a, a very small neighborhood. Um, and then my mom, I remember my mom always trying to push me. No, you can't really hang out in this neighborhood. There's too many, there's too much vandalism. So... She signed me up for a, a high school that was all man. And then um, it's like kind of like a higher class, I guess. And I ended up like kind of just hanging out with that type of people. Um, but it's still like, you know, as a rebel child, I still was able to like kind of just keep both at the same time because I enjoy. I had a lot of love for my neighborhood, for my neighbors, you know, neighborhood, I guess. And then the other type of people were kind of more like, yeah, this is what my mom wants me to hang out with you because she wants me to be better. She wants, you know, she wants me to go somewhere. What you know? kid does that? Mostly, usually, <laughs> if, they, if your mother wanted you to hang out with someone, then I was absolutely forbidden. Right. So, yeah, I was so are you, this child, I guess. You know, I've never asked this because this is in conversations with friends. I have this yeah. all the time. And if you're not comfortable with it, but That's I think, it's, you know, we're talking about a different country. What's the craziest thing you did as a kid and got away with? Oh, man. I think the craziest things that I had, the moments, it was in high school, pretty much. I think I just did very terrible things to teachers in terms of, like, making fun of them and stuff like that. Did I get away with it? Sometimes, you know, but not all the time. Uh, that's what I was at the principal's office most of the time. A lot. Was, so, oh, so, yeah. so not that I, I'm, I'm not trying to implicate you at all, but so none of that net vandalism that you talked about a moment ago, none of that was yours. None of, none of that was by your hands. No, 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 no. I was not. I was not into it. I was kind of scared of that. It was too much of a stream. You know, I think back then there was a lot of terrorism as well, too. So you had to be careful uh, where you go, you know. Well, that explains why you were you were. Your mother's influence was was something that you followed. Yeah, no, of course because no, you didn't want it. You scared away yeah. from. It. So that's what yeah. I was trying to get at. And you know, we all have our stories. There's a lot of, you know, I grew up way before you, and oh my uh, god, yeah. <laughs> so many things that we got away with that I, I can't even sometimes believe I'm still alive. So yes. um, you know, you know, this was the era before seatbelts. Don't forget, right. So. <laughs> So were you, did you always want to get into f food when you were younger? Is that something you had in mind? How did that no, happen? I never, you get you know, to I always wanted to be a, always wanted to be a cop for some reason. Um, oh, you look like a great cop. If I, <laughs> if I kind of fuzz my eyes up right now with your, with your uh, chef jacket on, you can look like a cop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, did that change it? You know, I was playing quite a bit of music back then as well, too. So I was very uh, driven for that. Um, but no, never. I was always intrigued about what my mom was cooking, though. You know, I was always in the fridge. I was always asking questions like, why are you doing that? You know, like, why is this? Why is that? And she, as soon as she started talking, explaining things to me, I walk away. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, you know, the flavors. I mean, the flavor profile that we have in Peru is it, just, 
it's, it's amazing. You know, all the combination, all the chilies, all the potatoes. I feel that's, that's kind of the things that kind of like got me involved, you know, all my experiences, um, in, in, in the street, you know, and trying all the street food. I think that's what kind of, uh, it did to me on my younger age. Hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and welcome on board to the Right at the Fork family, a great new sponsor, Finex Cast Iron Cookware Company. Yes, we're delighted. And the reason we're delighted is because, you know, having been in advertising for years, I just love the fact that we have a podcast and we have advertisers that we truly believe in. Anybody who's listening to the podcast knows some of the others that we talk about every week and they're near and dear to our hearts. Well, so is Finex because, Court, I think you uh, agreed and I did too. It's almost every day for the last few years, ever since we acquired our Finex cast iron skillets, that we've been using them. Daily. Every single day, there is a use in my family for our 12-inch cast iron pan. And they still look great, and they're easy to clean. And one of the things I like best about this cast iron, and I wasn't a big cast iron user before this, once in a while for some kind of casserole, but I'm frying on this every day, is the smooth surface. It is unlike anything you've ever seen in a cast iron skillet. And of course, that's one of the features that caused Finex to bring cast iron to the fore in the cooking world in the last few years. It's not that it hasn't, cast iron hasn't been around for years, but now it's really become the thing and Finex is the premium for, as they say, Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference and that couldn't be a truer statement. One of the things I love about my uh, 12-inch skillet Chris is not only is it awesome and versatile you can do so many things with it it's like a work of art it's just a beautiful piece of iron and uh, to know that it was you know that Finex is based here in Portland and in fact I was just reading it takes 12 hours and 12 hands to create these beautiful pieces of again artwork and great cooking material yeah I leave mine right on my stovetop because it's no reason to put it away. No, it looks great. I use it all the time. No I'm way. lazy. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't think you're lazy at all because I do the exact same thing. I want people when they walk into my kitchen to say, oh, wow, you have a Finex. Yeah, they're great. And there's a reason over this past year when I've been watching a lot of chefs like Gabriel Rucker and others doing their home cooking demonstrations on Instagram, you, you're always going to see them cooking in Finex. Yep. Uh, here might be the best thing about uh, when you purchase a Finex product is that all Finex products are guaranteed good forever. Can't beat that. Yep. Yeah, no, you can't beat that. And that's a pretty confident statement and business proposition for them to make. Mm-hmm. So fine, fi- find all their products at FinexUSA.com. Uh, when you were there, you would you might not have been aware, but and I wasn't. So you know, certainly other people are more educated than I am with regard to food. But I was didn't really become aware of the incredible nature of Peruvian food until mm-hmm. you know the early two thousands. Was was that something that was that normal? That that um, you know it kind of came to. Um, came to world popularity in the last, how many years? When did it start to really become something big? Uh, I think it was back in 2010, as far as I remember. Okay, like Peruvian good. food. Yeah, Peruvian food became such a huge thing. Oh, it started getting recognized a little more, you know? Uh, because for what I remember, it was never, it was just, oh yeah, let's go to this place or this place. But there was never a chef, to be honest, besides Gaston Acurio that, um, that it kind of exposed the food to a different level, you know, and into other countries as well, too. And I think that's when we start getting noticed and noticing uh, the food that we were doing in Peru more and more and more. So, uh, but before that, I don't really remember Peruvian recognized for their food as, as much. It's interesting because it's so yeah. it's so unique and delicious, and the fl- and as I understand it from watching like Anthony Bourdain, which is yeah, you know, I learned a lot of this. Um, the neighborhoods are all, uh, and, and you alluded to it before, each neighborhood has its own 
flavor to it as well. So have you had an opportunity to go back? Um, and no, I think the last time. Bring your wife there, back? Yeah. No. No, I'm, we're planning definitely a trip here in about two years. But uh, the last time I was there, I was, you know, I was 24 years old. Um, I'm 40 now. Uh, wow, you're uh, looking good, man. Where's all the gray good. hair? You cut it short, but you hair. can't see it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, I mean, you know, now the only thing that I regret is that, man, I wish when I was young, like, visited all of these cities in Peru because I feel like every city, like you said, has their unique food pretty much, you know? I mean, yes, it's Peruvian, but every, every city has a very unique food. You know, I only being in two cities in Peru, one of them is Huaraz and the other one is Chiclayo, which is the North of Peru. And that's where my mom is from. You know, I was able to experience some of the food out there as well too. And it is, it's very different. You know, every, it's like, the flavors that they have in there, they're very different than the flavors that you will experience on the city, you know, uh, which I think that's cool. You know, in Guaraz, for example, that was my first experience eating guinea pig, you know, did I wanted to eat guinea pig? No, I did not. But, you know, we went to a friend's house and his grandma just throw like a guinea pig, you know, mint stew, I didn't know it was a guinea pig, but it tasted delicious until they told me it was guinea pig. And I was like, what, why? You know, but it's becoming a normal thing now, you know, to eat the guinea pig. So is this your but way yeah. of, is this your way of broaching the subject that we're going to see it on the Andina menu? Maybe. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to piss people off. You know, I don't I don't want to be like a foie gras hater or something like that. So, yeah. you know, but I feel like, uh, like I said, again, there's so much culture. There's so much food that people have not seen that I haven't experienced myself either that I want to get my hands on to, to be able to uh, express myself that way. You know, I, uh, my whole goal of this being in Andina is to give you memories and bring you a little more of a culture to your table instead of just a dish. Yeah. Well, I think it's the whole experience. So yeah. yeah. And I think, my feeling is we've really learned that through the pandemic that the food is one thing, but um, first of all, it's cold in a box. I'm, I'm not going to stop bitching about this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but the food is one thing, but it's the whole experience. And when you can, you've got a special opportunity in that restaurant to mm -hmm. let people escape Portland for a little while, right? Which is right, right. sort of I think that's probably a good idea to get inside different walls and open up themselves up to a different culture and feel like they're, they're escaping. And so mm -hmm. you get to do that through the food, but the whole, um, the whole atmosphere and the whole experience I think is important. Are you, so let's talk a little bit about Portland over the yeah. last year and you were cooking at a place that was downtown, correct? Yeah. That must have been a little diff difficult. How do you feel Portland's going to recover? How long is it going to take to recover from what, what it's uh, Man, I, you know, it, it's, I think it's going to take us a while. You know, it's, I think I feel like to me, uh, it, it's always going to be in our heads. You know, I think for the people, people are different. So... I feel like people are still going to be able to like be cautious about where they go. Um, they're going to, you know, they're still going to be afraid, a little shy about getting into restaurants. Uh, but at That's the same just time, for a I little while like, though. That's going to go away. I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I mean, I yeah, at the same time, I feel like people are just like rushing out to go, to go out, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think right now for me is, uh, the way I see it, if I wasn't the other side, it's just like, I just want to get out. I want to get out. I want to explore. I want to take my, my precautions. And that's, that's pretty much it. I want to support restaurants. You know, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of shutdowns, you know, a lot of, a lot of local places closed down. So I want to be able to support that, uh, uh, and, and make sure that we kind of built Portland again, you know, because, it's been, it's been hard for a lot of us, you know, but I think, I think also it's a time for us to reflect and to energize ourselves and to get back out there. 
So um, you're in an interesting period of your life right now because yeah. going out to eat isn't going to be the same with a two-year-old. A two-month-old, I'm sorry. Two months know, old. It's funny. I, I went to this taco place yesterday, <laughs> and it was fine. You know, we used this thing called Moby, which is just like wrap it around your uh, – against you, and it works just fine. So we're still figuring things out, but, you know, we want to be able to get out. You know, I know a baby is – difficult sometimes but we want to try <laughs> we try to do our best i know so we try to do our best to like kind of just we can't really like you know like sit at home every day so no but you know it might be one thing at two months wait till two years yeah two, i can't two imagine four years that's when i recall i remember saying we're done with traveling for a few years like we can't uh -huh. just do that so i hope that doesn't happen do you need to do something do you need to handle something uh, in a minute, yeah, I need to like take care of a few things. I have somebody uh, putting an oven, a new oven up here for Andina. So, okay, well, I didn't know whether you need to step away or we needed to move this along. So, yeah, um, but we'll move it along. So, um, uh, Ben, how you plan? Have you thought about it? Because you really haven't been in the thick of it yet, balancing home and now. You've always been busy, but you're going to be yeah. pretty busy. How are you going to balance yeah. the uh, life? You know, it's funny that you asked me that because I'm already being like writing things out in a book, you know, how am I going to organize myself, you know, and I feel like for me, the way that it always worked is wake up early. You know, I feel like waking up early for me is being such a huge advantage my whole career and then getting things done earlier so that way I have my own time. And then I spent I spread some time to the baby, to the wife, and to friends or family too. But you know, I just think that my wife and I have a really good uh, system right now in terms of organization. I mean, I knew what I was gonna get into, so I think we got already we planned that out pretty well. Oh, that's good. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. I had a question for you. Uh, Oh, man. Well, anyway, this happens. So you're 40. Yeah. Just wait a, wait, wait a few <laughs> years. Um, uh, so do you plan on, are you, uh, you planning on uh, accommodating younger folks at the rest? Oh, I know what my question was. I'll get Is back that? to it. Let me get back yeah, to yeah. it because it's a good question. So are there any uh, particular chefs or friends in Portland who have mentored you, who you can now lean on, um, you know, for advice? It doesn't matter how seasoned you are. It's always good to yeah. get a second, second uh, reference point. Are there, any uh, are there any folks in Portland that we might know of or not know of? No, you know, I worked with uh, Gregory Gordet for, you know, for about three months at Saucebox. I, was, I started as sous chef. Um, you know, I talk with him here or there, but I think the most important person for me to lean on sometimes is Bruce Caring. You know, I think he was big part, a, a huge part of my career. So I, I kind of look up to him quite a bit in terms of uh, the training that he provided me. And, and but besides that, no, not really. I just look at Instagram and look at what people are doing and follow the trend. Hey, Chris, let's pause just a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah, and Ringside, it seems like back to normal at Ringside, but it's even better than it used to be because now, in addition to indoor dining and takeout, you've got beautiful outdoor dining at Ringside, and they just set up a new little area. And uh, as they said yesterday, you can, you've got an old dog learning new tricks. Uh, at ringside so they have some really beautiful space outside and of course the weather is conducive to that right now um, and their hours are wednesday to friday 5 to 10 p.m saturday and sunday opening an hour earlier at four and you can order your to-go food uh, an hour before the start of business so note those hours that i just men mentioned and you can pick it up until nine. When you do go to Ringside Steakhouse, if you're if you're choosing to dine in, whether that be indoor or outdoor, you want to make those reservations. You can do that through the website ringsidesteakhouse.com, or I use the Open Table app, Chris, and that makes it super easy. You just hop on there, you find your time, you find your table, and you're good to go. 
it's it's a 30 second process at most to get yeah. a reservation at ringside. So uh, think about what you're doing in the next 30 seconds and think about how productive and delicious that can be. And again, if you missed any of the information we just covered, the website again is ringsidesteakhouse.com. So were you, are you, uh, does it surprise you where Gregory Gorday has, uh, what he's achieved since, you know, you yeah, knew, no, really. way I mean, back he when before he was a real household name. Yeah, he was looking for that, you know, he was, was, he was a go-getter, you know, so I think he, as soon as he took over departure, I think he already knew what he was getting into. I mean, I think that was his first call in the beginning anyway, so, uh, but yeah, no, I'm happy for him. He's, he's really, really well. He's, you know, I was able to um, go to Cannes for a dinner as well, too, and it was, it was very tasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good time, you know. Yeah, no, you can't lose with Gregory. Is, is, is anything like uh, Top Chef either in your future, or would you accept that? Is that something you would like to do? or uh... Uh, Definitely would love to do it. Uh, I think in the time being, definitely not. But maybe in the future, probably yes. And are you, uh, do you have that nature where you could uh, talk, talk trash about somebody for no reason other than they want you to and it's good television? I don't know. I guess, you know, I guess they have to, I, I, I don't know. I've never been in that situation where they're like, they want me to talk trash about somebody else. So uh, <laughs> I, I know I heard things, you know, that happens on TV. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned though, because I was interviewed for Top Chef right that way before, I think it was, after Gregory, before Gregory. Um, and I made it all the way, but uh, I didn't have enough accolades. I, it was just right when I started Saucebox and I didn't have any accolades to be able to continue to the whole, with the season. But it was a very inter- inter- interesting interview because I had a interview in Seattle and I had like several interviews over the phone as well too. And everything was going really well, but I, like it was right at the end when, when I, didn't, I didn't make it, but. It's, it's, it's definitely interesting what they ask you. Well, I foresee big things because now you're, I think, more in the spotlight. Not that you weren't before, but now uh, you're going to be in the spotlight and those opportunities are going to come your way. And I'm pretty sure someday we're going to be saying, hey, we knew Alex when. Same way we say that about Gregory. We knew Gregory <laughs> So yeah. we knew Alex then, and that does not mean you're not accomplished right now. I'm just think that you're going to be in the spotlight, and that relates to the pressure we were talking about before. Right, right, right. You're going to really be in the spotlight now more so than you were in the past. So, mm-hmm. um, and I look for I look forward to that. I think it's it's going to be fun. I hope we can do some things together, which we've started to talk about. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, that would be great, and um, look forward to. I guess we can try Chicha right now. Um, right. Mm-hmm. It's, and so tell us yeah. a little bit about that, how people access it. And then, as you said, a couple of months down the road, we'll be able to actually have the Andina dining experience. But uh, where, what is it? Where is it? Where is the patio now for Chicha? How yeah. So Chicha. So Chicha. Chicha I'm sorry. Concept. What's that? I, I mispronounced it. I'm going to get it oh, right. No, it's okay. on Chicha. Uh, no, it's fine. It was on TV and then the, the guy pronounced it wrong three different times which is funny there's uh, only one way to mispronounce it right is that it yeah you can just say chica I guess oh chica. chica yeah yeah okay yeah, there you go. i'm not one yeah. yet but i i, uh, I didn't have the proper ch- I, I had the yeah, that's all right. soft but soft uh chichas are to go concept so chicha was created to be a to go driven um kind of a ghost kitchen place right uh and then we took advantage of having the patio outside um and we have about four tables, actually five tables available. And it's first come, first serve. We open from 2 p.m. to close. Um, Fridays and Saturdays, we open until 10 p.m. And again, it's first come, first serve. And it's pretty much, we know we do have a, a grill outside where we uh, uh, grill anticuchos over charcoal. So we, our idea is to create the whole, to bring the whole new idea to the outside. You know, the whole experience of street food uh, cuisine. And we're accomplishing that. We've been having some really good reviews uh, from customers and they're liking the new vibe and all that. So it's, it's, it's nice to hear. Is it easy? How, how is it right now to get a, a table there? Is it? Is- uh, not as easy. Right now, I think uh, we were taking reservations and then we might move forward to just 
tell people no because you know it's sometimes it's really hard to hold a table for them uh because there's so many people i mean last time i checked in it was about 12 people on a waiting list and you know every table takes about an hour and a half to eat maybe um yeah so really hard to get a table here but we try to accommodate as much as we can all right so well when people want a reservation in due time they'll be able to make one at at, at andina so exactly yeah that's a good deal so um just help us with where to access you on social media you personally or the restaurant however you want to go out there yeah so uh we are uh on instagram for andina and chicha it's Arandina PDX or Chicha PDX. And then mine is at Chef Alex Yestra. Uh, and then you will see, you know, a bunch of updates, new specials, what we're working on and when it's Andina uh, reopening day is going to be. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate it. I know you're busy. You were just on your, was it your, your anniversary trip? You were yes, just, you yes, just it was yesterday, actually, up to yeah. the coast. Yeah. So um, we were able to schedule it right when you got back. So thank you so much. What did you do that was fun at the coast? Quickly, I can't, I can't leave without asking that. That's okay. We chill pretty, you know, we got a cool Airbnb. So we had like a perfect view. We were there. We went to the, to the beach to walk around and we went to that place. I don't remember, but they sell a bunch of like, I had a bunch of like fried rooster clams, uh, fresh crab. It's, I don't like on the, on the, on the street um was it wasn't south beach fish market the place that i mentioned to you no i don't think so i don't think so uh yeah i don't remember the place it was a crab something place but it was really good it was really tasty well the good thing is you got a nice job at andina and eater isn't going to be after you to do be doing uh uh, overviews of restaurants if you can't remember the names so yeah uh, yeah <laughs> all right, man. Thank you so much. All right, Chris, thank great you day. I'll look forward to seeing you soon. And all right, you a few capacities. Thank you. Thank all right. You. All right. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right